Hello folks, episode 112 is an audio pastiche geared to soak up storage still available to me in December's 15 US dollar splurge on the hosting and to make use of audio that never fit anywhere else. And we're kicking off with a competition. If you can name the song I'm learning on the guitar in the following ambient soundscape from the 2004 Scott based bar, I'll send you my spare copy of Two Years in the Antarctic by Kevin Walton, one of the best dog drivers in the early days of the FIDS, who worked his team, the Orange Bastards, from Stonington Island. Get your answer to me by email using matt, with two t's, at divermatt, with two t's, dot com dot au. The first correct answer can choose between the second edition, slightly foxed, or the first edition, very foxed, dust jacket torn, and full of my highlighting and marginal notes.
Next, some advertising prepared on-site and at home to promote the series or to give props to other podcasters. Among them, the scathing atheist crowd, though I don't think they used that version of the Farnsworth quote as their episode opener. There was another one, but I can't find that now. To Cecil and Tom at Cognitive Dissonance, who count among the inspirations that saw me pick up the microphone in the first place, and to Marissa Alexa McCool, who hosts The Inciting Incident, and who gave me all of episode 139 of her series to map my tale of woe arising from my time with the Atheist Foundation of Australia, the book version of which received a good nudge during Melbourne's lockdown periods. I never followed up the syndication I saw through Secular FM, but the attempt led to me removing the wind noise from the first eight episodes of the original incarnation of the series. Hey, this is Matt from the Ice Coffee Podcast, recounting the history of human activity in Antarctica. Checking in to let you know that we did, in fact, evolve from filthy monkey men. Fucking penguins. Ah, that's adjective form, not verb. Hey, Cecil and Tom. It's Matt here. In Antarctica, at an daily penguin rookery. I've been listening to Cognitive Dissonance for years, and it's one of the podcasts that inspired me to get into podcasting myself. I didn't expect iced coffee to bring me here, but I'm extremely glad that it did, so... Thanks for the kick in the pants. Thanks for all the excellent content. Glory hole, motherfuckers. Hey, uh, it's Matt here from the Ice Coffee Podcast, recounting the history of Antarctic exploration. Antarctica doesn't care what you've got in your pants, or what pronouns a person wants to be addressed by. Be like Antarctica. Marissa's a woman, and Ari's an envy. If you're not happy with that, okay, but keep in mind it's your problem. Don't make it someone else's problem. Other people have got enough problems without having to deal with your issues. This is Matt from the Ice Coffee Podcast. Working in Antarctica, I've yet to come across any gods, and being a continent largely inhabited by scientists and penguins, believers in gods are similarly thin on the ground. But when some god-bothering penguin does turn up in my hut, talk invariably turns to all the charity work done by the religious. You can help stick it up those uppity aptenodites by contributing to Foundation Beyond Belief, and a great way to do that is to become a patron of Secular FM. Monthly patron support for February goes straight to Foundation Beyond Belief, and a quarter of all subsequent monthly patron support will go to another secular non-profit organisation to do the verbs without threats of damnation or promises of paradise. Be good for goodness sake. Support Secular FM through monthly patron payments, and Secular FM will pass on a quarter of that support to secular non-profits. I'm off now to stick it up a penguin, because it gets lonely down here. Antarctic of the Imagination is a two-part presentation I gave at the start and end of each voyage on which I served as history lecturer. It encapsulates what I want listeners to get from this series, whether you've been to Antarctica or never even seek to go. I want to share that place as fully as I'm able, to take it from an abstract idea at the back of someone's mind to a set of knowledge at the front, which leads, hopefully, to some form of understanding and also, hopefully, makes some people care and to inform their actions based on that concern. Thank you, Mark. Oh, for most of human history, 
Antarctica was an imaginary place. Greek philosophers hypothesized that there had to be something down at this end of the earth to balance things. They loved balance. Don't know what they thought the earth might roll into if it wasn't balanced, but they, they decided that there must be a continent down here to counterweight the northern hemisphere's continents. And because people don't like blank spaces on their maps, they imagined that their fantasies would be realised here. They projected their ambitions and their desires into that space through fantastical cartography and projected sandalwood and fir tree and people that they could trade with when Britain lost its colonies in the New World. It's only been 250 years that people actually started coming into the Southern Ocean and shrank Antarctica to manageable proportions and mapped it and prevented it from continuing as an imaginary place. The early explorers made it tangible. They drew those lines on the maps where they actually needed to be. They reported that it was a land of ice and snow, not fir tree and sandalwood and tender inhabitants. And you have now made Antarctica tangible. <coughs> you stood on its shores and you've bared your teeth into its winds and you've seen the ice and seen what the ice can do. And I really value that transformation. I, I love bringing people to these places because I love that transformation in myself. My before Antarctica, my after Antarctica is really important to me. And I want you to keep Antarctica in the front of your mind. I don't want you to let it slide back and become imaginary again. Your experiences are really important. Some people in my experience, particularly scientists and science support staff, are a bit cagey about who gets to say they have been to Antarctica or who gets to call themselves in Antarctica. And they're a bit precious, a bit jealous of the experience. And they play tackle size games, was, oh well, you know, you went to the peninsula, but you didn't go to the Ross Sea. Oh, you went to the Ross Sea, but you didn't go to Pole. Well, you went to Pole, but you didn't spend a winter. Oh, how many winters did you spend? Oh, only three winters at Pole. You're not in Antarctica. <laughs> That's rubbish. That's nonsense. That's not how experience works. He's not trying to be the most experienced person. There's not just one person that can say they've had an experience. And I'd like to illustrate that point to you with a short story about a friend of mine, Sue, I've known for 12 years. She attended a presentation I gave about the marine life around Ross Island. And she listened attentively and in the question segment of that lecture, she asked these questions that just allowed me to expand on what I presented. And they were really perceptive insights that she gained. But she couched her questions with the phrase, well, I only went to Antarctica as a tourist. And it, it broke my heart a little bit because she had these insights and she was connecting with me and we were in dialogue and it just really broadened the experience for the audience that night. Her experience of Antarctica as a tourist was valid because no one gets to decide who has a valid experience. I don't want you to talk about Antarctica in terms of well, I only went there as a tourist. I want you to say, I went to Antarctica and to own it and to keep it at the forefront of your mind because I think it's really important to talk about Antarctica. Might be a bit of bias there because I talk about it a lot. <laughs> but 
I want you to own your experiences and to share them with people as widely as possible. And when someone talks about mining in Antarctica, I want you to write to your political representatives and your newspapers and make noise about it. And I want you to advocate for Antarctica. I want more and more people to think of Antarctica as a global resource and that everyone on the planet is a citizen of that place. And I can't achieve that if I start gatekeeping who can and can't say that they've been to Antarctica or whose experience of Antarctica is and is not valid. So please, just own that experience. Don't say, I only went to Antarctica as a tourist. Say, I went to Antarctica. Toward the end of my son's time with me aboard the Ocean Adventurer, I coordinated 20 minutes in a Zodiac with my boy, Brian Parvo, and marine mammal expert, Marla Barker. Brian deployed his homemade hydrophone, and while we didn't record whale noises with it as we'd hoped, the excitement inherent to marine biologists deploying instruments shines through in this clip. This is, uh, I mean, thanks for giving the, uh, the chance to try, but the, uh, this was... Cheap jet, cheap, 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 cheap jet, uh, cheap jet, um, piezo element, not a real transducer. It was kind of last minute stuff. So. For last minute stuff, it's pretty cool, Brian. Super Stop cool. apologizing for being awesome. <laughs> Super cool. Little weight. So you can change the weight that way, too, right? Yep, yep, so you can check cool. the weight out. You can also try and drive that into the Super cool. Sorry. Like I said, I was scared of bringing this guy along. <laughs> Never wanted to see how much smarter he is than me. <laughs> so, who wants to put in the headphones first?
grill on the way down though. Like kind of where the ship is, it's like 190. Yeah. Uh -huh. That was coiled in there. Well, at one point. I see iceberg underneath. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. This is a significantly different unit to the black and white one we had at Point One Cellar, right? <laughs> yeah, I kind of, I kind of black and white for detail, but as if I was hoping that we, we could see any little krill clouds. Uh, we did see one krill today. Did you? Yeah, definitely. And iceberg. It was like one, one long Like there's a lot of, I was looking where we landed today and there was a lot of scour, but if you're in an area that doesn't get scour, then you can actually, you know, have video of what was, what's on the bottom. That's pretty cool. Not as. Like that, the other day at Usefully, like having something like this there. Yeah. yeah. But, Who knows? Um, or else if you're in the middle of something and dropping it below the boat. I was fortunate once to be able to get a whole school of little mola molas that oh! were like coming <laughs> in under the, underneath the boat on a uh, pole, but. I think uh, portal point. Because if it's Charlie put it there and if you're just dangling off the boat, rotate uh -huh. it out and look and see what happens. That's super cool. And it's on a little finned pendant. So Th that one is on a fin so it has orientation. Cool. But I would I would uh, print out a little diver for it, if like a dipsy diver, or choose a lure if I was actually towing it. It has just been swallowed by fish weight? before, oh, which yeah? is a little intimidating. <laughs> Blue cod go and swallow it and then all of a sudden go. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool right here, the GoPro. What does it sound like? No krill? It sounds like buzzing. Buzzing? Yep. I don't think so. Hmm? No krill. Uh, ocean's dead. No life anywhere. I am just so stoked. <laughs> uh, 
You don't hear? Don't hear the ship. There's no Alphids. Oh, no, I. Yeah. Alphids. <laughs> Every other shrimp. place in the tropics or the temperate zone, you start hearing shrimp. A little popping sound. Sometimes you hear, you hear popping, but it's from the ice. <laughs> yeah. Um, most of the decapods got wiped out. <laughs> so the the isopods are the king. Yeah. I am Earth's It's kind of funny to think of it that way. Got it? Just picking up attenuation. Yep, there are no shrimp. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. It's a super cool rig. I was hoping, you know, one of the one of those recordings I've heard of them before, but I would have always loved to actually hear Waddell. Oh yeah. Uh, the other day when we were at uh, Palaver Point, Francoise was supposed to be seen. We left. She was already with two whales. The ones I think you spotted maybe coming, and she tooting along with them and I was heading toward them and I just stopped to see because I thought they were traveling toward us so we stopped and uh, we hear this <laughs> in the water like not far from us on the surface I was like whoa that was cool okay hello squa 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 maybe he was late for class Headed to school. I love that photograph of the school <laughs> with the rain. The cones. <laughs> the bridge. Who's that? I think Manda probably. <laughs> Maybe Pato took it. You can see that happening too. Well, I have marvelously snarled my line. That's the story of my microphone <laughs> <laughs> life. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> my microphone is a big mess. The fine, this is such fine. This is so line. fine. It's it's horrific for that reason. So That's right. I'll I'll uh, I'll work on it and then clean it in the um, in the cabin. No clouds of krill though. Yeah, cup I, cup of tea and a big untangling session. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've just I've been I've been fortunate to swim in some Munida gregaria swarm, and uh, I kind of figured it would be like that, but that Dory moment. This way, <laughs> no, 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 this way. That's in Antarctic waters as well, but uh, around Dunedin, you just get red tides of it. Noodles, noodles, noodles. Here you see monsters. Here he is. Hey! That's us! That's us! Hi! Just imagine go, going to see the leopard seal and all of a sudden... Oh, man. <laughs> it was checking you out, eh, that leopard seal? Well, I, I figured... Back to 2004. Paul Bruin and I maintain the dive hole and black out the windows of the dive hut to prevent stray UV photons buggering the carefully maintained experimental process playing up beneath the ice. 
which he and I dived to establish and maintain. The actual dive hut sounds different to the one I assemble from sound files each episode. There's a whirring sound from the retasked computer fan, blowing air from the ceiling down a long plastic tube, redistributing warm air to the lower air strata, and thereby slowing the freezing process in the dive hole, though you can also hear the pry bar at work, breaking out the ice that ignored this technological innovation. Oh, you brought it back. Yep. <laughs> you think I don't know how to come early? No, I thought, what the hell's going on here? How did you... It's not sliding. Were you tendering for me yesterday? No. If you go, um, there'll be a whole tea making kit in the in the shed. It's just Blake. Like there's you know those little kitchen boxes. You remember from AFT? Oh, yeah? brew kits. Yeah, 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 brew kits. But all you need is the. You know, we don't need the fire of the cookers. Almost as though someone knew that these windows would have to be blacked out and they're just the right size. Amazing, that shit works out. It's all been pre-planned, pre-ordained. I'm starting to um, analyse another walk. It's going to be strange going back to New Zealand and having to deal with shoddy workmanship and huh? stuff that doesn't work. Because everything here is well made and does its job. And if it breaks, it just fits immediately. Mm. So New Zealand, you'll be ringing up telecoms, oh, my phone's broken. And getting surly people in the bakery giving you an arsehole. So despite being remote, life's in some ways easier. Yeah. Uh, it's military. I suppose so, yeah. People just get on with the job. <laughs> or they ghost it. Yeah. 
you got to change? A TVNZ crew joined us at the hut to film the intrepid divers dressing in and submerging, but Brian, perhaps sulking that the dive roster saw him sitting that dive out, nixed the plunge on a call that the currents plaguing Cape Armitage that summer off the back of a berg blocking much of McMurdo Sound looked too fierce to face. I remember the hut being crowded, but am dumbstruck by the number of voices in this clip. We must have been standing in each other's salopettes. It's amazing how bright it is. Like tropical. This is still workable in here. Yeah, oh, it is now. Now that your eyes are just yeah. yeah. Well, I, I've got to hold my jacket up until it's okay. There's nothing else to do. <laughs> God, it makes a difference when it's dark, doesn't it? Yeah, it helps. So, is there a couple of like resident seals, like the same ones all the time, or just yeah? You know, that one uh, probably be here all five weeks in here now. There's a big pregnant bench up here the other yesterday, wasn't there? Mm. She'll be dropping off some rocks. Interesting view of water. Like the Reezy, you get a carpet here for you, so you can have the day of the water. Carpet. Carpet. The Reezy eye. Look at that. Yeah. Reezy up on the bottom there. Oh, he must have had a lot in the year, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's really. I said that we, by time we get current in the morning and then the afternoon is pretty much dead. Can you uh, have a look and see how much ice is building up on that? Yeah. Well, I notice this ladder's not getting much. Jeez, MacArthur. That's three strikes, mate. You're on your way home. It's going to die now because I didn't let it breathe. Not on this lot. Here she is. Hello. Is it the same one? No. It's the same number. The radio transmitter on some of Bill Davis' fish physiology team visited the hut to catch banaks. A nice change of hut life pace. They were using blind hooks on hand reels, but I caught my fish with the dip net that we used to lift ice out of the hole. I'd forgotten that. I wonder what else slips out of mind when you don't have a photograph or a sound file or a video to bump you along.
With the TV crew gone, the current no longer concerned Brian enough to nix the afternoon dive, and Paul and I dressed in. This clip features the full sequence from entering the hut to entering the water, and may offer some hints as to why I learned early in my career to ensure the teams I join feature a clearly delineated hierarchy. KO68 comprised five people in 2004, and three of them held equal sway over events to the point the workers, Paul and I, Never knew whether we has a bucket or not. Well, it looks like it was worse now, Brian, than it was this morning, right? The moisture is right. That was bloody worse than this morning. You bring a gimp in, Matt. I'll put the wall closed for a minute. I can see. Um, what we might do is use Brian's... You can see that. I use Brian's hood. Put it wrong. Can you spare one? His gimp's not come one. out. I need it. Can you spare here? one? Oh, yeah, 
Hello. There we Fuck go. off. Don't wait. Don't wait. Fucking bastard, the best of them. Sick of these bastards. Go away. Is that the one with the transmitter? No, it's a different one. Bigger. Bigger, fatter, hungrier. The transmitter's the one that's a pain in the ass. Oh, is it? Well, it just sits there. Thinks it owns it. At least the ship's all gone. What's going on there? Must have been all the tidal currents kind of busted out. Apparently, the ship disappears when the tide turns on. <laughs> Look at him! He doesn't know what to do! He just doesn't know what to do with himself. There's still a bit of current there. I don't know if it's as bad as it was no. this morning. We're not here to root seals. We're not here to fuck the spills. Spider seals. He blew off. That's what I want to know. Oh, I aged it. Yeah, I was taking a lot of shit out. Yeah, I think you're Dying down. Well, it's got mass though, hasn't it? Of course, it's got mass and momentum and everything. It takes ages, which is exactly why I thought there was there's probably a lag between tide and actual flow. Yeah. Jeez, the MC squared. Cock a damn. down there before it actually turns as well. I hope you're getting get pretty making it pissed off so it takes it out on some divers underwater. They'll breathe somewhere else. Uh, let it breathe now, then it will. Oh, I got a friend. Yeah, always like that. Yeah, I'm just going to exit this room. You're downloading again. Resetting.
You wanted the gauges? Yeah. You better give me some gauges then. Alright. <laughs> <laughs> These two guys can be done together. Thank you. So what should we gotta do? Another mask in that bag of mine. Right. Mm -hmm. Get the shot away? Fixing your arm so much that it's makes it hard. So do you want me to put the camera in the bucket down the road? Down the road. What Matt's going to do is go down first, start hauling the thing over. So I'll go down first. Me? Yeah. Okay. I'll go down first. Pull the traps over. Pull on collection. I was going to collect or whatever. Okay. Yeah, you can still do the same thing. I just want to pull down first. Do you want me to put the camera down the bottom then? I'll come down um, for it. Yeah then. Because okay. Matt will take photos and I'll just carry on. I'll just do all the collecting. Uh, if I ask again, please. Oh, 
Miles, you pass me over there. Wait. Are they up there somewhere? There's a ton of them back there, isn't there? No, well, yeah. I don't know what's happened to all that. If we brought a heap, pop a heap out again. Camera. 
Yeah, yeah. 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 Y
That would be sort of dragging them that way, I think. Keep them away from this side where we're diving. Yeah. Um, last is masked. So just, um, when I go down, I'll go down and check the car. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give a poll that it's okay. <coughs> it's okay, I'll give a poll. And then, then you want to send it back up there. Because I think, Matt, Matt you're going to do the what racks, aren't you? So, did you hear what Miles was just saying? No. Don't worry. Do you want me to do racks? No, let's just pick it up. I'll put this down the line now. When, when, when Matt comes up with the rack, no, don't send the camera down. I'll go down, give a signal if the current's okay. You send the bucket down. Okay. Then Matt will go down, bring in the rack that you're bringing in today. When he's done that, hand him the camera. Okay. And then you can explain what to do about the other one. Why don't you just go down with a bucket? I'll go down with a bucket now. Okay. Have you got all the rest of it? Yeah. Alright, let me tie you on.
You right with your mask? Is it key to go? No, you can strop. Get your fins on. Dip those. Oh, they did it. Yep. Can you strop them up, please, mate? I think it's done. Where's your tool? Renovation. Do you want this? Not this. Take it. Yeah. Not doing that side, is it? Doesn't matter which side, is it? Right. Are you actually splashing this afternoon? Sure Drift off the rope. Yeah. Oh. Quite 
aborted recording recounting Bird's disastrous vigil at Bolling Advance Base arose on a hillside overlooking False Bay in the South Shetlands. I'm glad other duties called on my time, as it would be a pain to record more only to find out how badly my windsock failed me that day. The microphones were peaking out really, really badly. I'm on the southwest shore of Livingston Island in False Bay on a glacial moraine overlooking the Huntress Glacier about a week out from my son arriving in Antarctica and I'm, I'm just about as excited about that arrival as I was about his original arrival into the world this is this is pretty cool by this point birds calls from advanced base constituted maydays but for not featuring that word repeated three times at their opening everyone at Little America already knew bird was barely surviving but now he was acknowledging his plight with messages reading, Come at once. For three days, Poulter and company pressed southward, fixing whatever broke down with, what ca with whatever came to hand. The generator gave out, and the brushes of the spare unit kept falling out of their rotor. The two men not steering whittled tiny wooden holdfasts to keep the brushes in place for a few dozens of minutes at a time before they needed replacing. The trail flags came to light, and the wreck of the Klee track showed in the searchlight, but at 81 miles out, the Citroen lost all radio contact. Pressing on in the darkness with Poulter on the roof, a magnesium flare showed on the horizon. Two hours. This is Matt.
copy that. I'm in a good position to provide that. This is some ambient sound from Elephant Point on King George Island. In spite of being stationed near giant southern petrel nests and a large number of wiener elephant seals, the males just beginning to test their strength in mock fights. The snorting of the larger males, an order of magnitude further away, dominate this soundscape. Even looking closely at the attack, pitch and fade of the individual signals, I still can't differentiate between an elephant seal snorting and an elephant seal farting. Yeah. <laughs> 
Here's some gentoos on the northern shore of Useful Island in the Galash Strait. This is something I wrote for Evan, who got in touch to ask about podcasting and describes, well, I'll just read it. It starts with one listener, which is more than none. I love podcasting for many reasons, but it's that people without any link to or experience in broadcasting can share their passion with others that really captures my imagination and soaks up my time listening to and making podcasts. Imagine having a friend over at your place, listening attentively as you speak about your pet topic. That'd be pretty sweet. That's how I think about having any listeners. These people have chosen your company and your pet topic, and they might as well be sitting with you at your kitchen table. Once you have more than no listeners, you're kicking ass. And if you end up with thousands of listeners, you'll need to get a bigger kitchen table and stock up on finger food. You can hear all three species of brush-tailed penguins on the more exposed shore of the spit, connecting Fort Point to the larger landmass of Greenwich Island in this clip. This is a melancholy one for me, as this was my last outing for Quark Expeditions before they sent me home for not putting up with abuse from one of their paying customers. Fort Point is an inspiringly beautiful spot, and the landing saw me cover ground I should have delighted in visiting for the first time and then I conducted a banging Zodiac tour with a group of appreciative guests. Alicia, one of the most attentive history lecture enthusiasts I'd encountered, and her father among them. Lots of dancing the boats among rock formations, and balancing sway, heave, and surge in enclosed waters to offer up the best benthic viewing over the sponsons I've ever enjoyed in the south. Long beats seaward of a continental glacial terminus to examine moraines and to look for a reported leopard seal and then blatting back to the ship at full noise. I should have been exultant. But, as with bailing on KO68, it was a cue for tears and railing against arseholery. But I know something now which I didn't know in 2007, and that's how many paths back to the ice lie open to me. I shall return, maybe a cliché soundbite for someone with my surname to turn to. But clichés aren't without value. They're often trite truisms 
but that doesn't make them not apt.
Take care and appreciate your coffee.